are more than 100 unique styles of beer, each with their own set of ingredients, process, guidelines, history, and experience. If you're a beer lover, an industry leader, or somewhere in between, a better knowledge of beer style will improve your life and your work. Welcome to A Sense of Beer Style, essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. I'm Julia Herz. And I'm Jeremy Storden. We're advanced Cicerones, beer judges, home brewers, and we're excited to guide you through the vast and wonderful world of beer styles. Hello, everyone. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, listeners. Hello, Julia. Viewers. Hello, hello, and welcome to another show style cast of Sense of Beer Style with Julia and Jeremy, or Jeremy and Julia, however you want to say it. And we are in Strong American Ale for 2021 Beer Judge Certification Program Style Guidelines, going to talk about, as a dedicated style cast, double IPA as in India Pale Ale, one of the big bohemists of craft beer styles that now has taken over the universe and planet Mars and Saturn too. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love this. Um you and, and typical, you know, I, I I I give credit to us Americans for this because anything you can do, I can do better and bigger <laughs> and stronger. You know, it's kind of like the is the idea behind the the hops arms race, the double IPA, the triple IPA. It was just we we want big, we want it now. And, and, and frankly, it's kind of awesome. Well, and a thousand percent because yeah. what's so significant is, I mean, American IPA is the kind of uh, counterbalance alter ego to American lager or international lager. And, and then you have this flat flavor dichotomy of choices. Craft beer gets big on the rise of pale ale, but really takes off with American IPA. And then double IPA, I would say for sales today is truly a sweet spot and where a lot of people land um, and they are higher in, in more alcohol than, than standard IPAs and or hazies. And they are intensely hoppy. Hoppy can be flavor or bitter. They're both. So it's a, it's a fascinating place that I think things have landed. And if you are in the beer space to get to know the flavor array of what beer can deliver, then, then double IPA, not just IPA as American IPA or West Coast IPA should be, should be on your list. Absolutely. Um, speaking of list, let's talk about the list of ingredients that we would expect to find in a beer like this. And so basically we can take what we know about the American IPA, we can just say ditto that. And that is a neutral base malt like two row or something like American two row. Uh, and we're, but we need to get more of, uh, of that. We're going to have a higher, uh, grist to water ratio. We're going to have more malt in there to really beef up that, uh, that sugar potential. We, we may actually add sugar in there because we want that yeast to create more alcohol and dry it out a little bit. Um, we, so we can have sugar or other fermentables in there. Uh, you know, we can, it does give a little credence to using some crystal malts. I would bet a beer that we're looking at a judicious, uh, a light hand of crystal malts or even crystal malts on the lighter spectrum of like 20 to 40 love a bond, uh, because you, you don't see it a lot of these double IPAs really, really dark. And so, uh, so that kind of gives credence to some lighter, uh, lighter ingredients. 
We are talking about when it comes to hops, we are, this is an absolute celebration of American and new world hops. New world hops could become, or could come from America, could come from um, somewhere in uh, New Zealand or Australia or South Africa, or really, really anywhere. But new world, it really speaks to this tropical uh, uh, love uh, affinity we have for uh, tropical hops. Uh, when it comes to the yeast, granted, this yeast has to be able to withstand a higher alcohol, higher gravities, uh, but we can be just kind of a neutral, clean uh, fermentation yeast, or it could have some wonderful fruity esters in it. The BJCP guidelines does uh, call attention to uh, we should not have oak in this. Not that oak is a bad thing, but that is a different style. Same thing with fruit. If we wanted some like guava double IPA, that sounds amazing. But when we're talking about styles and entering them in competitions, that is a different category. So this is just straight up double IPA. Those are the ingredients that we expect. Let's talk about the appearance. And Jeremy, I do want to take a note because we welcome you is as beginners and or more advanced and authorities on, on beer and beer styles and ingredients, but we don't want to assume that you know what crystal malt is. We could do a whole oh, sure. prepisode on what crystal malt is, but you have your base malts. The, um, the base malts are uh, pale malts, give you the majority of your fermentable sugars, but crystal malt or caramel malt is a certain style malt that has already been converted and it has been tricked into thinking it's spring. It actually does its own enzymatic conversion within the hull or the husk. And then it is, it is crystallized the sugar. So it brings you color. It brings you more flavor. Um, it brings you some tannins. It, it brings a lot, actually. It's a very common um, beer in many ales, but it doesn't, it's not a fermentable as, as the base fermentable would be. So get to know that as a, um, as a variable that influences many, frankly, beer styles for sure. So, yeah, excellent, excellent addition. Right on. And so now on to appearance. And, and Jeremy, if you're watching us and you can listen or watch, has just poured himself a beauty. Uh, we've got the uh, proper uh, IPA glassware even from Spiegelau, which is pretty cool. And the appearance of gold to light orange copper color is what you are expecting to see for double IPAs. Uh, Jeremy's looks to be dark gold right in line. Um, and most are, are you know, going to be the lighter side of that color spectrum versus the darker side, not as much towards copper. Um, you're expecting for double IPAs to see good clarity, but you're not hearing the word brilliance. Brilliance would mean crystal clear, can, can read through it. Good clarity mm -hmm. means it's not a hazy. That's a different style, actually, that you would um, you would study and, and taste and find examples of. So good clarity, uh, a little haze is, is acceptable. Um, very um, moderate size to persistent white to off white collar of foam. I would say uh, moderate is modest. Uh, the one that Jeremy has, I believe, from Deschutes or, or whoever. I can't yep. remember. Yep. Deschutes Symphonic Chronic. Yeah, which um, they certainly know IPAs uh, through and through as well as hops and brewing. Um, you've got a much more robust collar of foam. That will certainly collapse while he's sipping it and while we're talking over time. But moderate size is at least what they would require in the style guidelines. I'm going to say if it's robust, you wouldn't ding it as a beer judge. You'd be proud of that robust collar of foam like we're seeing in the glass right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very straightforward. So that is the appearance. What about aroma? Oh, aroma. So what, what we expect out of these things, you know, first of all, uh, you know, I, I, if you read the BJCP guidelines, they, they kind of go back and forth, starting with the malt or, uh, and hops. I'm going to stick to my guns. I always start with malt and work my way down. So same thing with this, even though this is a hop forward beer, the malt in this, because we have 
so much malt in there to drive that alcohol, that ABV higher, there is still a bit of malt presence. It provides this wonderful foundation, this backbone. Uh, It's a very light, clean, neutral, malty sweetness. There isn't any specific flavors that really poke its head up and say, hey, give me attention too. No, no, no. This, This is just laying down that foundation and conceding to the hops, which is the star of this show. And then we get into a medium to, frankly, high, like we said before, American or New World hops. We're talking pine, we're talking citrus, we're talking grapefruit, we're talking berries, tropical fruits, uh, uh, some some esoteric fruits uh, like lychee, green grapes. These are all things that can come through in some of these wonderful hops. Uh, most of these beers are dry hopped, or if you listen to our prepisode on on uh, fresh hop beers, there are different ways to uh, do that. You can dry hop it, you can hop back it, you can hop burst it. There's lots of different techniques that brewers are going to use to really get this aroma of the hops and the beauty of the hops to come forward. We're also going to get some, you know, can be very moderate, like neutral, moderate uh, esters uh, to to some that are kind of, uh, well, I, I'm using the wrong terminology, excuse me, light esters to moderate esters. And these are those fruity flavors, those are fruity aromas that come out. The alcohol um, is likely going to be present. doesn't have to be there. You may It may be harder for some of you to detect it. Some beers may be harder to detect the alcohol, but at at a strong double IPA, it's likely there. And what we're looking for is just a nice little spicy kind of pop that just kind of that kind of gets in your nose. It should never be harsh. It should never be solventy, um, but it should just be absolute delightful and just beg you to take a sip. Speaking of take a sip, Julia, talk about flavor. Wow. Great, great description on beg you to take a sip. And so you hopefully have one with you. If not, keep listening and then listen again and crack one open. Um, and the flavor really does uh, fall from the aroma tree as the kind of base or trunk. (laughs) And, you know, it leads with, as Jeremy was talking about, strong and complex hop flavors. That's the way to put it. This Mm. is a beer that really is focused on showcasing hops first and foremost. Um, And, you know, you will have moderately high to very high bitterness, um, but it's not going to be, as as Jeremy was also talking about in the hop flavor and in the hop aroma, it's not going to be harsh in this bitterness or harsh in the hop flavor. It's going to be over the top though. It's very American, dial it up to 11, um, but 11 not with harshness. And then you want um, some, you know, clean and and soft uh, malt character that is the base behind, kind of the uh, simmering star behind the scenes. Uh, behind the hops of bitterness and flavor, you've got the malt, and they really do work in concert. Um, it's a really beautiful interplay of that pale malt base, and then maybe those crystal or caramel malts that are also coming through. Maybe some caramel flavors or toasted flavors uh, um, are really pleasing and help balance out. And say, also look at me, and they and I'm great with food, not just the hops that you need in this mm-hmm. beer. And so. It's interesting to me when we get to the vital statistics and you're studying the style guidelines and we take you through these style guidelines deliberately one category at a time, leading with ingredients, then to a, you know appearance, aroma, flavor. Um, 
dry to medium dry finish is what the flavor is supposed to be about. When you get to the vital statistics, the final gravity and amounts of residual sugar wouldn't reflect that. But that's the beautiful nuance of this style. That's the beauty of a good brewer who knows how to work with hop bitterness, ethanol, and residual sugar and have them all balance each other out so the residual sugar isn't crying too loud, even though you might, if you had three, four, five of these in an evening, feel a little junked up from more sugar than most styles. So it's a beautiful thing that this is supposed to finish dry and medium dry. Um, We don't want it heavy, cloying, or too sweet. Um, And then you've got some fruitiness from the esters that will also be a part of the complexity of this beer. Esters are a byproduct of yeast, particularly ale yeast. And then you've got um, alcohol in there uh, is going to showcase just like in the aroma, um, but again, not a a harsh bite of it. It's just a supporting um, character in this play as we discuss double IPA. So yeah, yeah, mouthfeel. Well, yeah, before I jump into mouthfeel, you you triggered something in me that just made me think I, I want to share this with everyone listening and watching. And you know, we, when we talk about big beers, uh, double IPA and, and other and other style casts that we have out there for higher alcohol beers, keep in mind that in the in the craft beer world, none of these should be so aggressive and so harsh that it's basically a test of toughness to drink it. That's not the point. If you have, if you found one of those beers where it's like, I just need to cram this down my gullet and, and now I'm tough. That's not the beer we're talking about. All of these, even though they're big, even though they have higher IBUs, they should just be so delightful that you can't wait to take another sip. That's, they should be drinkable. They should be quaffable. And that's what we're talking about. Just the, the elegance and the, uh, exceptional, uh, prowess of the brewers that make these beautiful beers. There's, let me get off my soapbox now. Uh, mouthfeel. Uh, these are big beers. We were looking at a medium, uh, a ba- basically a medium body uh, because we are getting more alcohol. We're getting more attenuation out of it. Uh, so, uh, so that it is going to be a little bit lighter uh, compared to other things, but it still has a lot of those dextrins left over. So it is going to rest right around medium land when it comes to body, but you're going to have the best of both worlds. And that's where I love the style. It should have a very smooth texture, a medium to medium high carbonation. Uh, again, that's going to help uh, cleanse some of those dextrins off your palate. It's going to, it's going to create this beautiful aroma uh, by releasing it into the air, especially if you have a nice glass excuse me. Um, but there, there's a lot of hops in this, but we shouldn't have a lot of astringency. You can have a little bit, that's just nature of the territory. If you use hops or dark grains, you're going to have a little bit of astringency, but you shouldn't really notice it unless you're paying very close attention. Uh, and again, that alcohol that we've talked about as well, it should be smooth. It should be warming. It should be delightful, but again, it should never be harsh. It should never be aggressive and it should never be challenging. Uh, to enjoy. Uh, but that's, that's basically mouthfeel. Let's, let's talk about uh, how this compares to other styles. Yeah. And when you do fall in love with this style, you'll start to say, maybe not in a guilty way, like, Ooh, I want another one. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are supposed to be that inviting and balanced. That's the key is balance for sure. And so it's a different, different style, um, than, uh, English or American IPAs, which also could be compared, uh, kind of as cousins to this. Uh, but it's got more, just think double, it's got more alcohol, more malt, um, more bitterness, 
uh, more hops than either of those. I mean, it's really an outliner, the outlier, the double IPA on what it stands on. And then it's less malty though, and um, drier, we talked about it's supposed to be drier than um, American barley wine. So if you were to do a tasting and we love verticals or horizontals, shall you call, you know, whatever you want to call them, um, do an American IPA, do an English IPA, do a double IPA and do an American barley wine. And you could also throw an English barley wine in there. That is going to be a great evening. That could be an entire party <laughs> and, you know, a block party and, and, and the like. Um, and do blind tasting of those and try to see who thinks which style is which. And you really will start to dial in if you remember drier for double IPA, but bigger in bitterness and bigger in malt and bigger in ethanol. So that, that just, is the setup. And just make sure everyone has a place to stay or a ride home and are not driving after that night. But what a fantastic night you just described. Yeah. Uh, commercial examples for this, you know, uh, in this day and age when uh, IPAs are still dominant and variations of IPAs are still dominant, these are fairly easy to find. Most breweries have a version or three of these. But the uh, the classic that we go back to uh, is uh, Vinny Solurso in Russian River with Pliny the Elder. Uh, that, that you know that's that's one that everyone uh, tries to get their hands on every year. Uh, and if if I'm not mistaken, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Pliny the Younger is technically technically considered a triple IPA. But that's one that comes out every so often, and that is just sublime. Um, when we, uh, those, but that, that's kind of what really kicked off the style, uh, commercially, uh, years ago, we still got, uh, Columbus Brewing's Bodhi, uh, Fatheads Hop Juju. I love these names, uh, Port Brewing Hop 15, uh, uh, Stone Ruinations, uh, Double IPA and Wicked Weed uh, Freaks of Nature. These are all, uh, iconic examples listed in the BJCP, but of course you don't have to go very far to find a good example Go to your local brewery and, or brew it yourself, as Julie always says, and and you're likely uh, in for a winner. Uh, let's talk about some numbers. Yeah, so studying your style guidelines, you will want to know the numbers. And it is good to dial in on this because it helps you also with the differentiation of these so similar cousin style versions that are not yeah. double IPA. So original gravity, if you're brewing it, you're trying to hit targets of 1065 to 1085. That's actually not so out of the box. I mean, getting up there to, you know, 1070 plus is, but 1065 is pretty reasonable. And then final gravity is a big spectrum and it gets to that approach from the brewer side where I would want them to have it be drier. Final gravity of 10008 to 1018. That is a broad range. 1018 is going to be a beer with a lot of residual sugar. And frankly, mm -hmm. anything under 1010 is going to be a beer with a lot less residual sugar. So 1008 is allowable and there's two eights there. So that's easy to remember. And so that gives you alcohol by volume ranges of 7.5% to 10%. So these are very reasonable. I'll always point out that standard wines, uh, you know, these days are getting up into the 13 and 14% range if you're looking at California wines. So seven and a half to 10% is at least manageable, but you do want to watch your, you know, your evening when you're, when you're plowing through a bunch of these. And then international bitterness units would be 60 to 100, anything above 50, depending on the bitterness units to gravity units, final gravity ratio is going to be altered, but above 50 is much more bitter. So 60 to 100 is the range. 
Um, I would say that is a big spectrum. And when you get up to the top end of that range, that is a very bitter, bitter beer. And then SRM or standard reference method and the color that we were talking about. And I pointed out that the majority of these won't be in that more um, kind of towards the copper range. So SRM is six to 14. Six is basically dark gold. 14 is all the way up to copper, copper, um, not at all brown or anything like that. But the majority of them will be paler, more towards uh, less than 10 SRM for sure. And then, Jeremy, if you feel free, you don't have to, but you're always good at conversions. And then also, please take us to glass and temperature after that. Yeah. For those of you who speak EBC, uh, we're looking at 12 to 28 and that's lighter on the color spectrum. Like you mentioned, we're talking from like gold through orange to just touching on copper, uh, for the original Play-Doh, uh, again, uh, 15 and a half to 21, uh, you know, 0.25 or thereabouts. This has potential to be, uh, slightly elevated to quite elevated. And of course that final Play-Doh, we're looking at two to 4.5 and, and that is, could be kind of dry, could be not so very dry. One thing I, I feel like I need to add though, is when we talk about IBU 60 to hundred, that sounds like a complete and total palate record. When we get to hundred, keep in mind these double IPAs, these stronger beers that have that extra malt added to them are typically it, uh, paradoxically quite drinkable, especially compared to their lower ABV first cousins, the American IPA. So if you see a higher IBU, it doesn't always mean bitter. There's a complete conversation we should have at some point about the perception of bitterness and how everything balances out. That's way more complex than we're going to get into today, but don't let any IBU numbers intimidate you for those who who like a little bit of hop. This, these are very, very drinkable. Just make sure you plan ahead. Yes. And Jeremy, uh, I am going to jump in too, because pretty much every show we try to spell out the acronyms and then you get it. But EBC mm. is European Brewing Convention. We definitely want to be a beer world where we're not um, alienating anyone from acronyms or lingo. And and we we often say European Brewing Convention and then EBC is is that acronym or, uh, you know, shortened initials. So we assume that you know that, but if you don't, there you go. And that represents a different version of how color would be monitored and uh, documented in different beers. And thank you for picking up my slack, Julie. You're wonderful at that. When it comes to uh, drinking out of this, you know, uh, you know, frankly, these are beautiful beers. And if I were going to be honest with you, the listener and viewer right now, if your goal is just to get drunk, there are cheaper ways to do it, cheaper, easier ways to do it. This is not that way. This is something exceptional. So get a good glass. It could be a tulip pint. It could be one of these IPA glasses. Uh, I've had them in snifters. Uh, we want something that will help hold that foam together, that will help concentrate the volatiles, that aroma to get that full experience. Uh, so, you know, if you need a quick buzz, don't get this. Save your, save your money and put it elsewhere. When you want an experience, get this and get it in a good glass. Temperature-wise, uh, you know, I really, I really want these a little bit warmer than I want my regular IPAs. There's so much more malt and and um, and character to these that I, I I challenge you to grab one of these uh, and and let it sit in your hand and taste it as it warms up. And you will notice if you're paying attention, you'll notice the changes as it goes from 38 degrees to 42 degrees to 45 degrees. Uh, of course, Fahrenheit and four to six to eight and Celsius. 
you will notice a big change in the aromas and the flavors that these beers have. So test it out for yourself and find out where your sweet spot is. What You want to talk about uh, beer pairing? Yeah, these are great beers to work with food because they have enough girth, right, and weight um, of residual sugar as well as strength of alcohol that they will stand up to richer foods. I want this out of the gates. The easy cheat is, is give me some like fried mozzarella and, and mm. a double IPA. Wow. You know, or you could get crazy because some people do like capsation heat with that exacerbated ethanol or alcohol. It can create for others a kind of train wreck, whatever, to each his or her own. Um, but you might want to put this with fried jalapeno poppers, right? You've got cream cheese in there that's melted and gooey and you've got jalapenos and then that fried breading. That fried breading is going to marry and link into mm. just like on the fried mozzarella with the pale malt and the crystal malt. So a lot of synergies there on just a, a sweet little uh, naughty treat of uh, poppers in whatever fashion. I would also want to put this with Indian curries, something a little spicy, not too, you know, you get to Thai curries and it could be too much. Indian curries, uh, depending, can be really a little bit more modest. And I know there's different types of curries too, right? I would like this with red curry and I just can't imagine it um, doing anything but being an accoutrement to the sauce. Then the hops are going to shine more. They're going to be almost like a botanical or an herb on top of whatever food you eat with the um, the tropical or the forest notes of the hops from the India Pale Ale, the double. So those are two foods that come to mind. What about you, Jeremy? You know, and all of that, this is, this is perfect. And, you know, we are not going to be on a diet when we have a beer in these meals because <laughs> the fried food is just amazing right. with this. Um, I, I've had some incredible, memorable experiences with a beer like this, like the one I have in front of me uh, right now, that's very tropical, but just big and bold with uh, mortadella slices, that, that, that mystery meat that we see in the grocery store. No one really knows what to do with that's that beautiful stuff. It's, it has pork fat and it has pistachio nuts and it's sliced. It's sweet. It's savory. It's fatty. It is incredible with this beer. Uh, and that is also incredible with like a natural rind Buffalo cheese or like a, a, a thick, uh, creamy pasted blue cheese. And for dessert, my friends, I want you to grab this beer and I want you to have this with carrot cake. And then I want you to send me a message and let me know what your experience is. But carrot cake in this beer is phenomenal. Yeah, I would see the root vegetables marrying very much with mm -hmm. both the hops and the malted barley. Um, the cream cheese, just of my poppers too, kind of comes to mind of something rich yeah. and fatty that that beer is going to help um, meet and then tell it to go away. So you can actually want another sip and another bite. Yep. Great stuff. Great pairing. I love it. And then glassware, did we cover that? We did. Okay. So we are all we, we are all good. And so we would say double IPA away and happy pairing. Drink often, listen often, watch often, and enjoy often is the is the sign off from me and you today. And and I'll say and be safe. These are big beers. Yes, they are. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Essence of Beer Style, the essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. With advanced Cicerones, me, Julia, and me, Jeremy. Tune into the next episode as we continue exploring the world of beer styles and what to make of them. We encourage you to listen to the prepisodes to build your foundation and better understand beer styles. And before the next episode, I'd like to ask you to review the show and let us know what you'd like featured in upcoming episodes. 
Until next time, here's to you and your sense of beer style. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.